We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA Draft Prospect Profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six NBA draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place. While you're here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review, that stuff really does help us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show. But listen, that's enough of that. That's enough of the promos. Let's get into today's prospect profile. Welcome back to another episode of the Field of 68's 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. My name is Rob Dosser. I have with me today Terrence Oglesby, and we are going to be breaking down none other than UCLA shooting guard Amari Bailey, a former top five prospect in the class of 2022. He went to UCLA, and he had an up-and-down season. He averaged 11 points, just under four rebounds, and 2.2 assists while shooting 50% from the floor, 39% from three, and 70% from the charity stripe. T.O., he did get hot late in the season. He averaged over 16 points over his last six games, and he is a guy who, when he got going after coming back from an injury uh, in late December and early January, he got hot, and that's when UCLA made their big run and had everybody convinced that they were a team that could win a national title before all the other injuries hit. Uh, he is a score first and foremost. When I told you that he was projected to be picked in the mid to late second round, you acted surprised. You also said before we hit record, it's scary how much I like this dude. What makes you such a fan of Amari Bailey? Uh, fit, fit, fit. Uh, you go to UCLA, Mick's going to slow it down to a crawl. That's that's one thing. Two is he stepped up to the moment. You know, they had this big game at, at the end of the season against Gonzaga where they didn't get all the highlights because Strother hit the shot at the end. But the guy who put them up uh, before that was Amari Bailey. I mean, he stepped up to the plate, knocks down big shots, got some cojones about him, and then – these stats don't scream at me bad year. I mean, you look at a team laden with veterans, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, a lot of these guys, and he still found a way to average 11 points, almost four boards, and over two assists a game. And while he did turn the ball over a lot, that's still pretty good for a freshman on a team that had national championship aspirations. Now, you look at some players, and I think he fits this mold, better – NBA player than college player. 
because he is an excellent athlete. He's got good length. He could play the guard, he could play the lead guard spot for you in spurts, especially in today's NBA, where there's not really a traditional point guard not named Chris Paul or Jalen Bronson. Like a lot of teams like these get rid of it, come off, use your athleticism coming off a handoff on the second side, and then make something happen. He has that ability. He can score. Highly touted prospect. Was it a great class? No, but at the same time, you're top five. You're going to get consideration. Mid to late second, uh, if he lasts that long, I would be shocked. I just I, I like his upside. I like his athleticism, NBA athleticism, NBA body, and NBA ability. I, I think if it were me, I would be looking <laughs> – to be honest with you, I feel like fit just plays such a big role in your next level draft potential. If he goes somewhere else that lets him go, if he goes to Gonzaga and lets him go, and I'm not taking anything away from Mick, I think he's a terrific coach. Let me get that out of the way. But if he gets somewhere that lets him play a little bit faster, you're going to see a whole different version of Amari Bailey. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, late teens, early 20s is somewhere where I could see him end up going just because of that uh, – 0.1% athleticism that he does possess. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if people realize quite how athletic the kid is because he played uh in a system where they weren't getting up and down the floor, like you didn't see many runouts where a chance where they, the teams closed down on him. They were um, well they, they were so jammed up. Yeah. I mean, anytime you played in- there, there there were a couple of plays if you go back and look at the highlights for Amari Bailey, like he's dunking on dudes. He's yeah. pump fake, one dribble, getting to the rim, and throwing down left-handed on people. Um, one of them, he got called for a charge in, I believe it was the second round of the tournament, maybe in the Sweet 16. Uh, yeah. But he put a couple people on posters this season, and uh, with more space, he, I think he would have been able to showcase that a little bit more. And to your point, playing on a UCLA team where he was, uh, in a best-case scenario, the third option offensively, and I think you can make an argument, the fifth best player on that team behind Jalen Clark. Fifth, be- fifth best college player mm-hmm. on that he team. Was the, uh, yeah, he was the, on that Big team. Big differentiator the, there. Big differentiator. Wasn't I, the fifth best prospect, was the fifth, fifth best player in that moment on that roster. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he just does so many things well that are conducive to NBA play. Guards well can get downhill quickly, can finish above the rim, uh, solid passer. Like th- that level of athleticism just doesn't come from anywhere. Like you, you, it's it's hard to find that with consistent with consistency to go along with that frame. I, I think he's got a lot of upside moving forward. Are you are you at all worried about the fact that like he didn't he doesn't really have a great skill? Right? Does that worry you at all? His athleticism is his great skill. His athleticism is his great skill. His ability to push it so fast to get a rebound, get an outlet, and be gone. Like his athleticism is his great skill. That's the differentiator between him and some of these other guards that you'll look at. Uh, I think he gets in open gyms. Uh, I don't know if he's going to the pre-draft combine. Is he doing that? Everybody is. Yeah. So if he's doing that and he plays in an open fluid system where you have just kind of a drag screen and you have all that room to operate, his game's going to switch. And those decisions, while they do happen faster, there is more room to see them, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get a drag screen up near half court and he's able to get downhill, those rotations in the NBA are longer. Those decisions aren't easier per se, but you're able to see them quicker because that floor is more spread out. So because of that and because of his elite athleticism, I think Amari Bailey is a terrific value pick. If he lasts to the middle, middle of the second round, somebody better snatch, snatch him in a hurry. 
Where do you stand on him as a shooter? He put up really good efficiency numbers, and he put up really good uh, kind of spot shooting, catch and shooting numbers. Um, but he's a guy that made just 70% of his free throws. Are you buying the form long-term? I think the, it, it, the elbow's a little bit in, too far in. It doesn't look like a huge adjustment. And whenever all you're doing is hooping and not going to class and not going like and doing all these other things, and I know a lot of people are like, well, they don't go to class. Yeah, they go to class. They all go to class. They all go to class. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. They're going to class. Now he's just going to be playing all the time. I think it changes the way he's going to be able to shoot. He needs to get with somebody that's really good at that. If he gets with somebody that corrects it just a little bit, I don't think it's broken. And to be honest with you, when you're that good of an athlete, you don't have to be this explosive, jump high, uh, make everything. You just have to be good enough. And shooting 38.9% from three is good enough. If he's able to shoot mid to high 30s, I mean, his athleticism and his length on where he goes with his steps, it's going to be able to carry him. What do you think his ceiling is as a player? Are we talking like potential all-star? Do you, do you see that in his range of outcomes? Is this a guy that is more of a, you know, maybe the the third option on a good team kind of a deal? Could be. Could be. Now, all-star is just such a big, big thing. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure how many lottery picks you guys gave me. But, but this guy, he's somebody that could be a really good player for a long time. Now, everybody knows the athleticism eventually leaves. So he's going to have to find a skill that he really excels at. The athleticism will keep him afloat for a certain amount of time. After that, he's going to have to, you know, find something different that can hold him on a roster. Um, how much value when you are projecting these guys out and when you are kind of scouting players like an Amari Bailey, how much value do you put into where they spent their time, sometimes in high school, more often in college? How the 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 coaching they got, the training they got. Cause I do think that there is something to be said about a player that kind of projects as being a role player going to college and accepting a role and kind of saying, Hey, look, I can, I'm fine. If I'm not the guy getting 20 shots a game, I'm fine. You know, I'm Amari Bailey. He's a headline guy. He's a, you know, he, he's not someone that is uh, unaccustomed to stardom, especially where he went to high school. But uh, I do think that there's something to be said about being able to go as a freshman, as a one and done and play behind, well, not behind, but play with Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins being the stars. Yeah. And, under, and, and under, being able to embrace and understand your role. And, mm-hmm. and still, let's be honest, right? like flourish in your role, especially as the season went on. And to me, that's very promising that as the season went on, he only got better. We, we talked about other prospects. As the season goes on, they get worse. It's because of fatigue and all that stuff. He got better because he started to adjust to the style of play, what they needed him to do. He got healthy. He was able to understand where he could attack closeouts, where the openings were going to be within UCLA's offense. And, and like I elaborated or like I spoke towards, there's not a ton of like openness. There's not a ton of space in UCLA's offense at times, just because not because they didn't have shooting, but because where that offense functioned. So there's going to be times where it's tough for him to find ways to get to the rim. NBA is a different deal. I feel like you project him out towards his future three, four years down the road where he finds uh, some of those openings in NBA defenses. I think he's going to flourish. Are you buying him as a passer? Are you buying him as a decision maker? Because I do think that if you are not one of the, you know, 1% of the 1% when it comes to being a score, you got to be more than that to, you know, if you're not, let's just say Cam Thomas, right? You got to be, 
you got to have something else in your game that will allow you to stick. Are you buying him as a creator, as a passer, as a decision maker? That That's the million dollar question. And that's what makes evaluating him at UCLA so difficult because there weren't many open floor situations to where he could really go to where Tiger Campbell didn't grab the ball and make it for him, where Jaime Jaquez didn't get the rebound and take off himself. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of, even though he had good numbers, to me with Amari Bailey, there's a lot of mystery there as far as his long-term potential, because we, we didn't really get to see what he could do, right? The ball wasn't in his hands as a primary decision-maker. I mean, like you said, this is a top-five player in, in his high school class playing at Sierra Canyon. We all know who else has come out of Sierra Canyon. Like, it's a, it's a high-level place. Is he going to be able to turn around and be elite at something? Can he be that passer? Can he be that decision-maker? Uh, that's TBD. I think he's one of the guys that has the most – him along with Julian Phillips of Tennessee has the ability to make the biggest impression come these workouts with NBA teams. Yep. Well, we will see what happens. There's always guys that are risers when it comes to workouts, when it comes to the combine, when it comes to playing one on O, when it comes to uh, squaring up and blowing by a chair. Shout out to Yi Jian Lian. Remember him? Uh, we will see if Amari Bailey is one of those guys that makes that rise. Uh, If you want more of these prospect profiles, make sure you check the links in the description below. Uh, All of them will be down there. We have more than 60 rolling out over the course of the next six weeks. And make sure that you tune in the week before the NBA draft because we will have a live mock draft with six NBA draft experts making every single pick. Be sure to check that out. Ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of The Field of 68 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today Jeff Goodman, and we are going to be breaking down the youngest 
player in the 2023 NBA draft class. That is Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. He is a freshman that will not turn 19 until December 17th. He's 6'9". He's 215 pounds. He averaged over 15 points, just under six boards, and all of 0.8 assists as one of the highest usage players in college basketball this past season. Goodman, I have a lot of takes on Gigi Jackson. I have a lot of takes on uh, what he can be moving forward. Before we get into my opinion, I'm going to ask you, what do you think of Gigi Jackson, the youngest player in this draft class? I like his upside. I, I really do. I mean, from the first time I saw him uh, in AU ball, I, I love his body. I like his skill set. I know he didn't shoot it great from three, but again, like you said, the whole team was built around him and he didn't have a lot around. Him. Let's face it. He had to do everything, which meant every opposing team they focused their efforts on, like as you said, the youngest player in the draft, the kid who reclassified, probably could have used another year uh, in, in in high school, but decided to stay close to home, go to South Carolina, be kind of the key piece for Lamont Paris's first season uh, in Columbia. And it was a good, like, it was solid for him. You know, I, I think some people thought he could be a, a, a top, you know, eight pick or something. He's not going to be that. He's not going to be that, but I think you're buying low if you're taking Gigi Jackson in the second half of the first round, which is where I think ultimately he ends up in that 15 to 25 range. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to talk about on um, things that aren't necessarily what he can do on the basketball court, right? And we'll get into that. Before we do, Let's. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about his game and how he fits in the league because I think that he is – one of the prototypes for what you look for as an NBA GM right now, right? He's six nine. He's already a pretty solid two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's got a frame that can handle more weight. He's not like the most athletic dude in the world, but he's really fluid. He's explosive enough to catch lobs. He blocks some shots. He had some weak side chase down blocks that were pretty impressive. Um, the thing that really stood out to me, Goodman, was that. In, in high school, he was more of like a, a five-man, setting the screen as the roller, as the lob target, right? Whereas in college last year, um, Lamont really put him in a lot of situations where like he was the ball handler in a ball screen, where he was isoed on the perimeter. And like his efficiency was in the tank. It, it was He shot 38% from the floor, 32% from three. But I think a lot of that is the shot selection and the fact that he had to do everything. And I was actually kind of impressed. Like if you go back and watch the film, watch a lot of his makes, you know, he's got some step backs. He's got some crossovers in his game. He's really good at uh, being able to turn a corner and get to the basket and explode at the rim. He can handle some, uh, he can handle some physicality. I, I actually think that there is, there's a little bit quite, I don't want, I don't want to say a ton of upside, but there's a decent amount of upside as a guy that can go out and get a bucket, be a shot creator at a position where at six nine two fifteen, he's probably athletic enough to be able to guard two through four if he puts it together on that end of the floor. I I, I like him as a piece. I do. You, you know what? Lamont Paris, his coach of South Carolina, raved uh, about him to me the other day was his IQ, his ability to pick things up quickly. And again, if you put him around, you know, three or four guys that were ready, Right, that maybe he went into a South Carolina team that was already established. They had their roles, they were older, but they weren't. They were all thrown together in year one. And he was clearly the best player on the team. They needed him to be the guy. And he probably wasn't ready for that. Um, I, you know, his body in, in, 
he kind of reminds me a little bit of like an RJ Barrett. He's not a two like RJ is. He's, he's more he's of bigger. a he's bigger, but yeah. But he's like he's a you know, he's a three four, not a great shooter, pretty good ball handler. I, I actually think he's a better passer than his numbers would would show. I mean, <laughs> but again, but it's yeah, hold on. Guys, on that point, I just want to talk about this real quick. These guys couldn't make shots. He had a six point six uh six point six percent assist rate on 30.8% usage, which is historically low. That is like shooting 12% from three, taking 17 threes a game. Like that is that is an unbelievably low uh uh assist rate for that level of usage. Um I, I think the jumper's there though. Like I, I think that the the percentage was oh, it 32 percent 33 yeah I think that had a lot to do he shot a pretty decent percentage on catch and shoots um especially from the corner and I think that he like I think that it's going to be there when he doesn't have to you know take three crossovers and a step back 22 footer right like he showed the ability to make some of those shots but that's not that's not the shot that he's going to be getting over and over in the NBA here's my question to you the biggest thing that stood out to me when you would watch South Carolina, and if you go back and watch defensive possessions that he played right now, is that he is absolutely clueless on that end of the floor. He very much looks like a kid that was 17 when he entered college that didn't really have too much of time in the offseason to kind of learn what he needs to do. He he doesn't understand rotations. He well, doesn't how could understand. he, Rob? He was playing at the Peach Jam at, in late July when most yeah. kids had been on campus freshmen for two months. So my question to you is, do you, is this are those issues that he has to like I could go through the list I don't want to go through the list I don't want to kill the kid he's a train wreck defensively right now how much of that is him just not being coached up and how much do you see potential on that end of the floor for him because if he's going to play that role the three and D big wing kind of like a maybe Harrison Barnes for lack of a better comparison right now off the top of my head but like that's that's the ideal role for him are you buying his defensive upside not yet not yet I mean I, I think it's going to take time and that's kind of the beauty of where he's at now is if you're drafting him at 22, you're expecting him to be a guy that maybe is a second unit player at this point. If that, he might not even have to be for the right team. You know, um, he should start in the G League. Like, go build that foundation. Sure, develop I agree, that foundation. He's so young. Absolutely. I mean, to me, again, you look at some of these guys, you know, Jonathan Kaminga. Well, they, they you know, Golden State, everybody was kind of blowing him up. Uh, at a certain point, oh, he's ready. He had a couple good games. He's not. He's still young. He needs time. This kid is going to need time. He's going to be a, again, a guy who's drafted in the back half of the first round, I would think. Maybe somebody reaches and takes him closer to the, the lottery, but I would think it's somewhere in the mid-20s, low to mid-20s at the end of the day. And as long as he goes to the right team where they're patient with him and there are no expectations on him in the first year or two, he can kind of progress and work out those kinks, whether it's defensively, whether it's with his shot, whether it's, um, you know, just learning like the pro game, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's the other thing. He's going to have more space to operate. He had no space because ultimately everybody knew it was going to be on him this year. So why would you give him space? There weren't other shooters around him. Yeah, I, I think, and it's not just that to me. I, I think it's, it's the reps as much as anything, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Like I, I think the offensive end is going to figure it out. I'm, I'm not really that concerned about what he's going to be offensively. He's already got like he's has some high level moves in his bag 
for a kid that turned 18 during the season. Yeah. Right. I think he's going Talented. to be a good catch and shoot guy down the road. I've seen him as a lob threat. I think that there's a world where he could play some small ball five in the NBA. I'm not worried about the offensive end at all. I think that'll that'll work itself out. He needs reps defensively. He needs to learn how to play defense. He needs to learn positioning. He needs to learn how to chase people over screens. If he's going to have a chance to play the three, he's got to learn how to take the right angles on the on 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 uh, on the perimeter. Like he's probably a he's got to get coached. That's the biggest thing. Like you need to. He needs like a couple years of seasoning. Eighteen year olds aren't supposed to be great defenders yet, right? So yeah. th- this is not like a criticism. That is not levied on like half the kids that are playing college basketball as freshmen, right? My other question for you. Well, well getting back to it, the way you started this was, um, again, he's what the NBA wants right now, mm-hmm. which is a multi-dimensional, versatile forward. That's what he is because ultimately, if if he hits his ceiling, he's a guy that again can step out, make corner threes, right? Make open corner threes, drive it. Guard multiple positions. You can put him, like you said, you can play him at the threesome. He's certainly, to me, right now, he's a four. That's what he is today. He's more of a four. Um, and could he be a small ball? Four? Yeah, if he puts on 20 pounds, he could be a small ball five. Mm-hmm. I think, so there's three things that he needs to figure out. One of them is the defensive end. That'll come with coaching. The other one is, is he just a shot creator for himself? Or is he a guy that can create for others as well? Like, there's a lot of times you pressure him, he puts his head down. All he's doing is trying to dribble into a pull-up over a smaller defender. He's got to he's got to become a better passer if you're going to become, like, a number one guy in the NBA. Well, he's not um, going to be a number one guy in the NBA. I, I don't I don't think it's out of the question. Um, I would not expect him to, but I, I think that there that's in the range of outcomes. And the last thing that I'll say is this. Effort, right? One of the things and I don't want to compare him to Ben Simmons like overall just because like there's a lot of negative connotations when it comes to Ben Simmons. But one of the things that we saw when he was at LSU was he was completely disengaged defensively, right? Completely disengaged um, at times as a teammate. A lot of that had to do with him not wanting to be in college. A lot of that had to do with being forced with the one-a-done year. A lot of that had to do with being on an LSU team that wasn't great. And I don't know, unless you are with Gigi every day, I don't know if you can know what his mindset is because there were times where he looked disengaged on the floor. You hear stories of guys that played against him that were uh, he was not exactly the most intense competitor. Um, well, he's chill. You can tell he doesn't mm-hmm. play with a ton of intensity. That's not his personality. Um, to me, that's a little bit of a problem if you're going to be a three and D guy. But I don't know how much of that was being there are a on lot a of those guys the- in the NBA right now that don't True. play with any passion, any intensity. Just but are but are good players in the league. Like mm-hmm. you know, another one that I'm thinking of is um as um um as we're going through him a little bit. Could he be like a Tobias Harris type? Yeah. Could he eventually be that type? Because Tobias is not super bouncy. He's just a really good piece, and that's what I think. If you're drafting Gigi Jackson, you're hoping he's a really good piece and can be a 15.7 rebound guy down the road. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, Harrison Barnes, those guys make a ton of money as the third option on good basketball teams. Um, and I think that that is, that's probably like the, the top 20%, like a top 15, 20% outcome for GG Jackson. I think there's a world where he could be better than that. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something that's all that likely, but um, last thing that I will say about him is that if your team drafts him, understand going in that like he needs 
two or three years of season. You're not going to see him. You're, you're is, literally yes. not going to see him on the floor. This is a uh, long-term investment. Minutes. This is a right. long-term investment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, and that's – it. really, Gigi Jackson's perfect for a team that's that's got a couple picks in the first round. Mm-hmm. Someone like the – where do you think would be a good fit for him, a good developmental fit? Because when I – the easy – I don't you know, want him. I don't want him on a bad team right now. I want him on a good team with with – with veterans that can bring him along. That's, I have, that's I have two. I have two answers for you. Tell me what you think about this. One, get him in the Miami Heat organization. Get him in a culture that buys into effort and toughness and player development and and things like. That. I would love to have Jimmy Butler mentor a guy that can doesn't really bring it every day defensively. Right. Love to see that. Yeah, the maybe. other one. How about how the Brooklyn Nets? For, I don't know how much that worked for Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, but I think. <laughs> You know, Wiggins needed Draymond and Steph and those guys because Butler didn't help them. Okay. Um, I, I would say this. What about know, the Brooklyn Nets? To me, I, I would want them where, wherever the best G League development program is. That's where I want him. Because honestly, the next two years are probably going to determine his, his path and his future. And he's not going to be up, probably. You know, he's going to be with a G League coach and a G League system. And that's going to be the most important thing for a kid like Gigi Jackson. Yep, I agree. I think he's got a bright future, uh, but that future is a ways away because he is still, he doesn't turn 19 until December 17th. Jet Howard is also a freshman. Jet Howard turns 20 in September. Like that just, you got to put that into context. He's 15 months younger than some of the other freshmen that are getting drafted in this draft. So uh, that was the breakdown of Gigi Jackson, a guy who is young, who has a very, high upside as a potential player in the NBA. Remember, if you check the links in the description, you can find links to more than 50 of these prospect profiles that we are going to be rolling out throughout the month of May and the month of June. And make sure you tune in a week before the NBA draft. We will be doing a live mock draft with six experts going through pick by pick of each and every NBA team.